This is an ABC podcast. Oh dear, I'm a bit flustered, my friends. Um, oh, sorry. I, I um, I should explain. I'm naked. I'm naked at the moment in the studio. I just thought this week do a naked snack pack. No big deal. No one will know. It's audio only. But um, there was a double booking in the studio and. Like two minutes ago, David Spears, who hosts Insiders on the ABC, he walked in um, and I was naked and he was here. And we, um, it was the weird thing was that neither of us acknowledged what was going on. We just stood there and I, I said, Oh, what do you think of the um, state election results, David, in Victoria? And he gave a comprehensive analysis. Must have monologued for like 47 minutes, in fact, really deep dive into all the individual seats and the repercussions of the Teal movement and so on and what it means for the Liberal Party in Victoria and Dan Andrews' uh, ongoing reign as, as Premier. And at the end of 47 minutes, I said, oh, well, I've got to record a podcast, actually. He said, oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. And he walked away. But I'm still now standing here just completely naked. Um, and I'm going to have to address that the interaction later on. But look, we've got a podcast to do. The Snack Pack waits uh, for no one. So let's crack into it. In fact, we might have some more nudity to follow just to keep the theme going. But it won't only be tales of nakedity today. We'll also be talking to Michael Chamberlain, wonderful comedian and writer, with a special hill to die on. Oh no, I think that involves nudity as well. Well, a little bit of nudity, we'll see. Plus, this is the greatest. Someone has fed a robot their diaries, their schoolyard diaries. The robot slash computer slash artificially intelligent machine has learned and imbibed those words and can now converse as that younger person. This is mind-melting stuff, my friends. Stick around. It's going to be quite the journey. We went to the nudist beach for the first time down in Warmbury in Perth. Yeah. And uh, not realising what time of the year it was, being uh, mid-spring, the jellyfish were a bit wild and uh, got um, almost denuderized by a jellyfish. It missed me by about a centimetre. And uh, you can you can imagine the the strange experience of climbing out of the water with your mate and both in the nud, and the only way you can get rid of a um, jellyfish thing is to pee on it. Amy Ramikus is political reporter for The Guardian Australia. Very excited to have you here on the Snack Pack with me, Amy. I'm going to grill you on what you've been seeing, hearing and tasting. And I know that you are a, you know, esteemed journalist, but I'm sure you've never been held to account like this before. <laughs> I, I am ready, yes. Okay. I was just thinking of the time I was caught naked before. Oh. So, um, yeah, you know, you've got, all, you've got me thinking all sorts of things no. outside politics. Pause everything else. Amy Ramikus, political reporter for The Guardian <laughs> When were you caught in the nude? It was your classic uh, share house situation. Mm. We were living in a house that was split in two and I was on the balcony in a towel when the uh, the door slammed shut and I was stuck outside on the balcony. No way out. So I decided I would climb down, which was a stupid decision because <laughs> I am the most uncoordinated person on earth. Uh, and also I'm terrified of heights. So I made it over the balcony and was holding on for dear life to this drain pipe when the towel fell off. <gasps> and so everybody would have seen just this, uh, you know, 20-something woman desperately screaming for help naked, holding on to an ageing Queenslander balcony. You were like a human possum. 
I was like a human possum, yes, which I often fought on that very balcony. So I think they were sitting there laughing at me because it was about like 9pm at night or something and I had to wait until the neighbours came home to come and rescue me. How did they rescue? Was it like clothes first and then rescue? Uh, No, like there was no time for clothes. It was just kind of like pull me up naked and then throw some towels around me and then we never spoke of it again. Did you know them well before that? or No, no, no we okay. did not know. You know, there was a think- classic like stops that I, I was saying to them, stop smoking on your balcony, it's blowing into their house. And they were saying, stop playing Total Eclipse at the heart at 2am <laughs> in the morning. You know, it was that sort of classic oh. neighbour relationship like, and then cl- they had to pull me up. You're, you're at peace with the story, it. Amy, I can tell, which is awesome. Do you think they're still telling it from the other side? Do they see you on Insiders and every single Sunday they'll go, hey, guess what? <laughs> We've got a story about her. Have we got a story for you? Actually, I think most people who know me, if they ever see me on Insiders or the drum or something, are just like, wow, do we have some stories <laughs> about that one? Well, it's a good name for a memoir in future. Right now, though, Amy Ramekis, <laughs> okay, let's get to the other questions. <laughs> What you seeing lately, other than visions of yourself up a drain pipe years ago? Um, I have just seen The Wonder, which is on one of the streaming um, services, which is just glorious. It's got Florence Pugh in it. And no one does existential melodramatic ennui like that woman. So if you're in, if you're in like a bit of a mood for something a bit moody, something a bit like, you know, dark, but not, not too dark, something a bit like, yeah, I am having an existential crisis. Thank you for living this out for me. I recommend The Wonder. Is it a big commitment? How long are we talking? Oh, it's only like, it's only a couple of hours. It's not that big okay. commitment. You do have to see a lot of, you know, a woman staring into space, um, sitting against a wall, looking out over the moors, that sort of thing. Okay. It's actually about the Irish fasting girls. Oh, so it yes. was this phenomenon, yes, where they thought that women were, uh, like young girls were getting their sustenance from God. Mm. And she's a nurse who's been tasked with investigating, is this a miracle or is this girl just starving herself? What you hear and what you're listening to, Amy? Uh, I'm just going to continue my white girl is sad theme um, and I'm going to be listening to more Taylor Swift and Lana Del Rey in a bit of a a moody mix, I think, as Mm -hmm. I stare into space myself. Amazing. Because sometimes I think you just got to let, like, you know, those feelings flow through you, Sammy. One more (laughs) chance for feelings to flow, Amy, as I ask you what you're tasting lately. I'm going to attempt to make chilli oil, um, which is probably going to be a disaster as I have never actually made chilli oil before. And the last time I tried to make something like quite hot on the stove, which was toffee, uh, we were cleaning it up for about a week afterwards. So I'm excited to see where exactly the chilli chili oil ends up in my kitchen and how far close to the ceiling it hits. So, yeah. This is the Sammy J Snack Pack. Uh, a friend of mine who's an artist, a very good artist, and friends, other friends for my 50th said, we'll put in and get a painting for you for your 50th. And somehow she talked me into reclining on a couch and doing a nude. <gasps> so you were aware that you were being painted? And so were the workmen next door on the roof. (laughs) Now, this is the part of the podcast where I foolishly allow a fellow human to speak to all of you, an entire nation, about a petty grievance or a little gripe that they have, and see what you reckon. Michael Chamberlain is a wonderful man, beautiful friend, comedian, head writer for Charlie Pickering's The Weekly on television. Michael, 
What hill are you going to die on this week? I feel like this has caught your fancy a little bit. Your eyes kind of lit up when I told it to you last mm. week. But it's um, people who make you take their shoes off when you enter their home. <laughs> Hang on. Are you waging war on those people? I'm waging war on those oh, people. You're a shoes-on guy. <laughs> well, 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 well. Let me put it this way, okay? Now, I, I, first thing I do when I come home, mm. shoes off immediately. Okay. I'm not a walking around the house in shoes kind of guy. Okay. I, I go home straight away, shoes off, put on my little tracky decks that have holes in them, my crappy T-shirt, my crappy yep. jumper, my beanie. I okay. call them my comfs, my yeah, comfy clothes. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly you can get of those clothes. <laughs> yep. And then when I'm leaving the house, shoes on are the final thing. Game so I'm face. A sh- I'm a shoes off man around the house. I'm not walking around in shoes. But it's when I go to someone else's <laughs> place... And, and they've invited me for, like, a dinner or a lunch or a hangout, and they go, oh, just, you know, shoes oh. off, thanks, mate. And I'm like, no! So one rule for Michael Chamberlain and his own domestic dwelling in another room. For, that's, <laughs> that is completely objectively unfair. Well, wait a second, then. From the way you're talking... Does that mean you're a shoes-off guy? You're inviting people over to your home and saying shoes off. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, okay? Yep. Let's be clear there. Okay. Because, you know, yeah, there aren't many weirdos like that in the world. Yeah. Well, I reckon you're a weirdo, though. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing to answer you. I, the last time it happened, my brother lives in London. He's uh, my sister-in-law brother. Uh, they've got the two kids. Um, they uh, are shoes-off uh, family. Mm-hmm. 24-hour flight. Hadn't slept. Had five-hour stopover. Hadn't slept. Get to the house. And they go, yeah, shoes-off, mate. And I'm like... Oh. And also, the whole place is floorboards. There's yeah. no carpet in the place, and so like, even I'm, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna go to my room and take them off, and then we're gonna walk around me and my socks for the rest of the night. But I, I, I don't want to okay. take them off at the door. I'm doing some deep soul searching here. Here's my actual honest answer, Michael Chamberlain: Are we a shoes ho- off household with the kids and us? Yeah, like we get home, take shoes off. Mm-hmm. That's just, as you say for comfort, for ease. Yeah, visitors, no. Like people can wear their shoes in my house, and I state that. On the radio, <laughs> happily. However, that's your doorbell. Often, people will in society they'll turn up and say, "Oh, is it shoes off?" Right? Like, mm-hmm. or they'll go to start taking their shoes off. And I've realised in answering the question, I think I have varying thresholds for my response based on what I predict their manky little feet would be <laughs> like. I think I'm foot profiling my visitors because some I allow to take their shoes off if they want and others yep. I insist no, no need. Now, I would go as far as saying that women would be more unlikely to wear socks than men and so therefore do you want bare feet walking around the house? Oh. Is that kind of weird or do you want the feet to be covered up? So what's the perfect world for you? The perfect world, Michael, get my head around this. Yep. I invite you to my house. Yeah, sure. Could happen. You turn up. I say, hi, Michael. There is no foot-based discussion whatsoever. Yeah. You just walk in the house yeah. and we, we I, just go about our chat. I put my key in the bowl, right? That's yeah, that's right. Party. Key in the bowl right there. <laughs> Head on down for a margarita, okay? <laughs> but what, what would change about that? Well, nothing for you. Yeah, if I'm a guest at your house, don't yep. tell me to take my shoes off. Okay? I never would. I would. I would never ever yep. say shoes off. But then also, okay, example of my brother and sister-in-law. Yep. Okay, I was staying at their house. Mm-hmm. Okay, so taking advantage of their facilities, and I was gonna. If I was gonna take my shoes off, it would be immediately going to my room and taking my shoes off. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't want to take them off at the door. And then kind of, and you'll see covered in like it's winter. You're like in five layers. You got to sit on the steps. You got to bend down. You feel like an you know, okay. the, uh, uh, the Dunlop guy or whatever. What does the presence of a thirty dollar self assembled double rack footstand right inside my door <laughs> say about 
me <laughs> and the expectations that visitors to my house might suddenly have when they see that? Is that what causes them to suddenly bend over and start untying? Oh, actually, maybe, yeah. Mate. It's like kind of like a, a triggering kind of thing. Yeah, because like like, they see all the thing. kids' shoes there and they you think see, that they have to do it. Yeah, you see. But also, and you'd be better versed at me, is it easier to get the kids' shoes on at the door than in the bedroom kind of thing? or in the, Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. No, you keep them by the front because otherwise the number of times that uh, kids... Oh, caps, get your shoes yeah. and, and they've got to go back into the house for yeah. 17 minutes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I don't know where your feet have been, lol. Also, we have complimentary slippers for our guests that we wash what? often. No! That's no! Wes in Dalesford. He's clearly running a day spa or something. <laughs> that is so Dalesford. Complimentary, complimentary slippers. slippers. I mean, I must say personally right now, I think my... My shoes are, are quite old. I mm. need a new pair, like these kind of trainer kind of things. Yeah. Because I feel like as they get kind of older, they get a bit pongier, if you know what I mean. Can I ask you an honest question since no. we're in Austin here on the battlefield? No, I don't shower, Sammy. <laughs> do you wash your sneakers? Uh, actually, no, I do not. This came up in our sock discussion. Some people, it turns out like 50% of people wash their sneakers. Ah, uh, that's actually a good point. They're a bit tattered, so I think, I don't know if they could go through a dryer. Like, no. Well, I don't put them in the dryer, I just put them in the washing machine. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I wouldn't because Ross Kavanagh, my sound wizard, mm-hmm. he reckons that they never came back the same. Gotcha, they shrink a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, that's why you need complimentary slippers. <laughs> I think we've solved this. Is The government needs to supply complimentary moccasins for all visitors in a post-pandemic world. <laughs> See, I've done a reverse shoes off now. I'm still naked. Just want to reassure you, but I put my shoes on now after chatting to Michael. I feel I have permission to put my sneakers on. I also have permission to tell you that I wrote so many diary entries as a teenager. I've got a whole catalogue of my life. But I didn't take that next step, that next step of feeding my diaries into a computer so that an artificially intelligent chatbot could converse with me as my younger self. That's exactly what our next guest has done. Artist, scientist, coder, Michelle Huang. She's over in Texas at the moment, normally in Japan. Michelle, the computer has learned a lot about you. How accurate is it when it tries to pretend to be your younger self? I feel like it has a pretty high degree of accuracy. Um, I think that a lot of the conversations that I had with it, for example, trying to recall certain happy memories or sad memories actually spit out very specific examples um, of diary texts that I had fed it. So I think in some ways it's accurate, um, but I think in other ways, because um, the OpenAI API had a content length for the prompt um, that I was using, I think that linguistically, like sentence structure-wise, there was some difference, but I think it did in essence represent a part of myself that was really actually true. So for those who are not as familiar with coding language and so on, when you're asking questions of yourself, is it just simply spitting back uh, actual grabs from your diary or have you trained it to actually present that in a different manner as if you're talking to it to a fellow human? Exactly. So that's the latter. Um, Mm -hmm. So it takes basically the data that I have given it and then it kind of essenceifies, I'm not sure if that's an actual word, (laughs) but takes it into a sort of um, personality and then the personality then interprets the sentence that I'm asking it or the question that I'm asking it and then tries to answer from a place that I feel like is quite similar to how I would have answered back in the day. What would be an example of a question and an answer that, that you've asked it? I remember one of them that really stood out to me was, what is more important, freedom or love? And the chatbot my younger self actually spit back the answer. Um, freedom can be lonely sometimes, but love is always helpful. So love. 
So that was really interesting. This is incredible because a lot of people have issues, as you would well know, in your field of work with artificial intelligence and the idea of robots and coding replacing humans. But this is this is yourself. It's a version of yourself and it's sounding and it reads from, from your tweets like there is some genuine authenticity there. Mm-hmm. Do you feel uh, excited about where this could go or do you think you've already seen the limits of talking to your younger self in this format? Yeah, I think there's a lot more. Um, Actually, when I was writing this tweet and when I was going through this project, I think what really impacted me was that there's so much therapeutic potential or utility of technology to be able to amplify uh, human introspection or mental health wellness or, uh, or wonder in certain ways. So I think there's a lot of different potential there. And I have a like, whole list of experiments that I want to try out next with this AI bot. Um, But it seems like you know, these uses can be extremely healing and extremely introspective for people. Have you just put an entire generation of therapists out of a job? (laughs) No, I don't think so. I think therapists will always still be needed. Um, I think the human connection is really important. And even when I was, you know, feeding all this data into a bot that did capture my essence in some way, I think it's still also important to realize that while AI is a tool to allow us to connect to certain parts of ourselves, it's like, it's, it's, I think it's important for me, at least I'll speak for myself, to keep in mind that me talking to young Michelle was actually not talking to my childhood self. Mm. It was talking to a a sort of essence. Um, and so I think for me it was healing, but I think it's important to make sure that uh, that I kept the distinction between like me actually talking to my child <laughs> versus me talking to a, a bot that was trained on my data. Just finally, Michelle, if I tried to... Mm-hmm. Um, feed my own diaries. I don't think they would rec- they would recognize one letter because my handwriting was so atrocious. Did you manually transcribe these or did it actually recognize your teenage scrawl? So one thing that has stayed constant across time is uh, my handwriting actually being pretty terrible. <laughs> so um, I use this app that is like basically an OCR app. So you can take photos of your diaries and it transcribes it into words and then I basically just tried to edit those words. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there were definitely some times where the words that it translated were completely off. So I had to manually transcribe. I would say writing down the diary was definitely the most grueling part of the process. <laughs> the training itself actually was not that bad. Will it be available or at some point to us regular citizens to try ourselves? Yeah, I think so. I am in the process of actually... Um, writing, putting together a write-up of my process, how I was able to do it. Um, OpenAI GPT-3 is is actually a quite simple tool to use. Mm -hmm. And so um, when people could sign up and maybe like take some of my my prompt uh, generations as reference or, you know, like play around with the settings on their own, um, I think it's a tool that definitely allows AI to be more accessible um, to the general population, even if they aren't technical. The Snack Pack. Airline days. A colleague of mine, I won't name her name, um, she'd had a few too many bevies uh, in the evening and went to bed in the nude, as she normally did, and had to go to the toilet in the middle of the night and took the wrong door out into the corridor, door slammed behind her. She thought, oh no, I'm in trouble now. Got a couple of the big cloth serviettes off room service trays, went to the end of the corridor and thought, I'll go down to the next floor and get in and get some more cloths. The door in the emergency stairs closed behind her and the only exit was into the foyer of the hotel. Oh, dear. Well, jigs up. I should put my clothes on, I guess.
Got to walk back out from the office now. Nothing creepy about this episode, is there? Thank you so much to Ross Kavanagh, who's been staring bewildered throughout the entire ordeal that is this episode. My fully clothed sound wizard and my beautiful Breakfast Radio family, Chris Hollow, Harriet Hashtag. You can listen to our show from 5.30 every weekday on ABC Radio Melbourne and via the ABC Listen app. Don't forget to tell your friends if you enjoyed this snack pack. Don't forget to report me to HR if you didn't. Have a great week. Catch you next time. Hi, Philip Clark here from Nightlife. It might seem like too much of a good thing isn't good for you, but a little bit more nightlife won't hurt. Indira and I do and I have everything you need to get you through the night on ABC Radio seven nights a week. And as for that little bit more, well, I'd like to invite you to listen to the Nightlife podcast. It's some of the bits you may have missed from the program available any time of the day. Some guests will make you laugh and some will make you cry and you'll always learn something new. It might even give you an edge for the mighty challenge. Hmm, There's only one way to find out. Make sure to add the Nightlife podcast to your favourites. You can find it now on the ABC Listen app.